Secrets from a Coach. Thrive and maximise your potential in the evolving workplace. Your weekly podcast with Debbie Green of Wishfish and Laura Thompson-Staveley of Phenomenal Training. Debs. Laura, you all right? Yeah, I'm doing good. <gasps> oh, Laura, I've got a question for you. Go on. Tell me, please tell me, how is your triathlon training going? <laughs> well, Debs, <laughs> I am, as with all projects in my life, attacking it with vim and vigour. And I would say at the moment, I'm doing really well on the bulking up stage. So it's toad <laughs> in the hole tonight, cottage pie tomorrow, <laughs> and then a heavy pasta and meatballs meal on Saturday. So I think the training's going really well from a bulking up point of view and uh, I have just ordered myself some trainers so oh, there we go oh you've got Tick. them good <laughs> <laughs> it's T minus 10 weeks what could possibly go wrong <laughs> nothing have faith Law. have faith in your abilities to make it happen <laughs> too right and actually what a lovely link to our um, topic of um, this episode which Debs it's our diamond anniversary this is episode 60 oh. Wow, that's an achievement, isn't it, Law? I know, you look younger than ever, Debs, can I just oh, say? thanks, lovely. So do you. <laughs> I know, it's brilliant, these Zoom filters, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> we all kind of look very romantic and sort of, you know, very, uh, there's no wrinkles at all, is there? It's brilliant with all these Zoom filters. Um, and uh, as we know, we like to kind of carry our episodes with a bit of pace. So this is our fourth and final of our October Halloween special, which is all about leaning right in into the things that can spook us and scare us and diminish our potential in the evolving world of work. So we've looked at taking courageous conversation. So we've looked at taking courageous decisions with the wonderful Sophie. I think that touched a lot of people last week. So it's been great to get some of that feedback. We've been looking at things like how to exercise any kind of demons that might be aside to ramp up that self-belief. We've also been having a, a look at um, actually how self-sabotage might be even more relevant than ever for someone who would describe themselves as a hybrid worker. In short, are you naughtier when you're at home unwatched than you are in a social environment of an office? So tell us about what our topic is for this week's episode. Mm, so we're going to um, look at all of the piece around being assertive. And thinking about how we can conjure up the courage to be more assertive than we maybe are being and the benefits that it brings if we do that. Yeah, love it. So it's summoning up that inner assertiveness. And uh, I think what's really interesting, Debs, is, uh, you know, when we were working fully in a face-to-face -face environment, I mean, it was like a people-watching laboratory, wasn't it? I mean, for... For me, 20 years plus, for you, a little bit more in terms of watching even how people walk into a room, you can work out who the alpha characters are and who are the ones that are likely to be the ones that ask the provocative questions, the ones that need a little bit of a sell in order to kind of get involved in an activity. And even the way people walk into the room, is their head held high? Are they looking at the floor? Are they making direct eye contact? Within a second even just the way people walk in enables you to start to place them in terms of how easy they might find it to assert themselves in a group setting, for example. Yeah, which is, definitely. You know, and also world. where they sit, isn't it, well, Laura, been... as well? It's also where they sit, is it too? 
Yeah, too right. I mean, the caveman theory always fascinated us, didn't it? You know, in yes. terms of right back into our instincts, um, the runt of the litter would be put by the outside of the cave. So imagine all sitting there in the tribe in the cave. This is known as caveman theory and the geography of where people place themselves and they walk in a room. And so the chief would have been put behind the fire in the safest place in the cave. And the people that could be afforded to be lost from that community would have basically had the backs to the entrance of that cave. That's the most vulnerable spot. What's really interesting is, is even where people place themselves walking into a training room or into an event room, a lot of people feel really comfortable being in the diagonal furthest seat away from the from the um, the door to the room because it means you can command and control your space when people walk in and you feel safer in that space. Always the last seat to go, you know, some poor person walking in going, I'm so sorry, I'm stuck on the M25. And the last seat to go would be the one that was closest with your with your back to the door. So I think it's just so interesting how that transfers into the 2D world. And do you think, Debs, that there are differences in assertiveness and how we do that in a virtual environment compared to a real world environment? What's your observations on that? Yeah, definitely. I think when you look at people on through the screen and you're watching people, you can see people wanting to um, speak up or wanting to um, interrupt even. And there are some people that are very oblivious, if you like, to the impact they're having on the rest of the group, even though it's on a Zoom call. And they're just keeping on talking or the loudest or they're, you know, they're the ones that you can hear over everybody, the first to speak up. And I always love it because you put people on mute and then you know who are the more assertive because they come off mute before you've even asked the question. They're like, <laughs> they know what's coming. And and it's that bit about how, how do you notice that, I think, that managing yourself so that if you are on a screen with loads of people, you know, and you're the one that keeps to be talking and you're speaking up, you know, it's that bit about how do you self-regulate so you step back a bit and give somebody else the opportunity. Because I think some people are quite happy to hide behind that voice in the room um, and I think that that's the one whereas in, if you were in a real room you would make sure that everybody got a, got a time to speak or were able to contribute to the conversation you can't hide in a, in a room as much as you possibly can on Zoom or Teams yeah. whatever you're using yeah, I, I, I think that's a, a, an interesting catch. I also think if you're physically there in a room, you can't blame tech issues or background noise for not being able to fully contribute. If you're there in the room, you're there. You know, what I think has been increasingly um, prevalent and, you know, we know not to take it personally because I think we're seeing it all around us. I don't think it's just the things that we're on. Is that increasingly people have sort of worked out all the lovely little excuses and the ways of politely saying, well, I'm going to sort of listen in while I'm doing emails and of course if you're there physically in a room you you it's a lot more obvious if you are dipping out and you know as opposed to sort of getting um you know getting getting involved in something what I think is um is is relevant really right now is is how I'm seeing it is 2020 was the really messy year so a load of stuff happened but there was a bit of shock and adrenaline and excitement almost that came with that 2020 20, 2021 has been a very busy year I think for a lot of people where you're in the trenches, you're there with the muck and bullets making things happen. What I think is starting to happen right now is there is therefore even more need to have assertive conversations. Because 
we're making the rules and the protocols as we go. So am I going to come into the office? Yes or no. Am I going to work a nine to five or a different sort of work uh, pattern? What is going to work for me? And how does that sit with the board, for example, if you've got some characters on the board who see things differently? So I think if ever there were a time where we need to really summon up that assertiveness, I think this seems to be the season where that is really needed because in order to get stuff done, in order to ensure that some of these new practices work for you as well as, you know, those around you, now is the time to speak up, to deal with maybe some of those over-talkers who have dominated the conversation and you haven't had chance to put your, you know, put your mm. um, point forward. Yeah, um, definitely. And also being able to address some of those conversations that may have been left and now can't be left for any longer. Yeah, definitely. And I think um, that's what you're saying. You know, it's a social skill um, to be assertive because it really relies so heavily on the way that you communicate um, whilst at the same time respecting the thoughts and beliefs and values of of others around you. So, um, you know, people who are, who communicate assertively, I believe, are, are really are very clear in what they're saying. They're very respectful of other people and they're quite happy to communicate their own wants and needs, um, their position, their boundaries um, to others, but not in an aggressive way. Um, you know, they're doing it in what we call an assertive way um, and certainly not in a passive way either. So I think they, you know, people who have what they call a high assertiveness don't shy away, if you like, from their points of view or goals. They um, or they don't actually try and influence others to see it their way. They are, um, you know, they're very respectful of other people's thoughts and feelings. They, you know, they listen well. They they communicate and articulate well. They will interrupt nicely, as I call it, not aggressively, um, because they have a level of self-confidence, I think, that sits within them. I remember um, having a brilliant um, insight from sitting in on some sessions that you were running years and years ago. I, I mean, a couple of months ago, because we're so fresh <laughs> and new to the game. <clears throat> um, and um, it was this startling realisation that assertiveness is not on a scale between passive at one end and aggression the other. Passive um, language, aggressive language or passive aggressive, where it's done in an undercutting way, is a completely different world. That is dirty language that is designed to create a moodiness it is designed to um is brought forward with drama and it's just got bucket loads of emotion kind of dripping sort of from it whereas assertiveness is lean and clean <laughs> it's putting that point forward you know i love a visual metaphor you're on the seesaw this is i'm going to put a point forward but i'm not doing it to unseat you it's to ensure that we're both clear on kind of what's going on. And, um, you know, I mean, I, I know we've seen it lots where um, had a conversation been had in a more assertive way back in March, there wouldn't be this rumbling situation that might now be coming to a head in the uh, darker months of October. So it enables stuff to get done. It's a pleasure to have a conversation with someone that is able to assert themselves um, because it shouldn't feel icky after because there should be no drama, no moodiness. It's about putting that point forward leanly mm. and cleanly. Yeah, and I think, um, as you said, it's that bit where there's that respect that comes into it where, you know, I, I respect myself and I respect you. So it creates that, you know, I'm not going to judge you. I'm taking you as I find you. As I say, they listen um, to what other people's perspectives on a situation are or on a project or or something from that. And they, they are willing to, as I said, listen and, and also own it. They're very good at owning it. And 
I think it also means that it involves them managing their own stress levels, being able to sort of solve problems as they arise um, and having this calmness around them. You know, no matter how other people may be reacting in that moment, they hold themselves really well, I think. And their voice is, um, as I say, I, I can't describe it really. It's just, oh, you take notice, I think, because they're not being forceful, but they're not being timid. They're, they're knowing what they want to say. You know, they're very clear on um, their opinions, their thoughts, honest, but in a, in a good way. Um, mm. yeah, and willing to share that, I think. So very respectful. Debs, I'd love to know, what's helped you personally to summon up that assertiveness? Um, I think it's self-belief. I think there's a level of confidence, um, knowing what you, you're good at, I think. Um, but more importantly for me, it's that bit about knowing... Uh, my worth and knowing the value that I bring. Um, and it's taken me years, Law, to to feel more assertive in communication rather than, you know, say, oh, I'm not sure if I can speak up. Will anybody listen? It's taken me a long time to be more assertive. I think I've still got a way to go. Um, but I think it's that bit where I'm, I'm very good at listening to what other people have to say and they're not afraid to lean into the conversation now. So that, that comes from a place of confidence and self-belief, I think, and knowing that I can and that's okay um, because if I don't maybe call it or say it or put that in the room to just explore it even more, to be more curious about it, um, then the richness of the conversation may not be there. Yeah, that just makes complete sense. I think also being really clear on what is my role here? So am I here as a passenger Am I here as the driver, as a participant? What is my role in on this? And there might be some conversations where you think, oh, I would have said something a bit different, but it's not actually your place to do that because you are part of an audience in that moment. But if there is any inkling of responsibility you have within that conversation, like you say, you know, if if people take 51% um, responsibility for the quality of a conversation, wow, you know, you both know that you've got each other's backs and you're going to kind of make that conversation go places and and progress. And now is not the time, I think, to be sitting there silently thinking, well, I would have said something different. We're not going to get stuff done and move forward and level up. And all of this ambition that might be there on a surface level, but it's a veneer if we don't actually roll our sleeves up and have a conversation, you know, in any scenario where we feel we can make an impact. Yeah, and I think, um, you know, if you're in a team or leading or managing a team, you know, what I used to really dislike in when I worked <laughs> was no one would speak up actually in the room, but there'd be many conversations as soon as you walked out of the room. And when I first started my career, I go, well, what stopped people from talking up? Why did you not say that in the room? Because I thought I thought that was really disrespectful of the person managing the meeting or the person whose meeting it was. And I just thought, that's not fair. So I've always had a value of fairness running through me. Um, and I used to question it. And I thought, I'm, okay, I'm going to speak up the next time and create the conversation where I used to get called devil's advocate, really. And I used to signpost it that way to say, look, I'm just going to play devil's advocate here. Um, I'm just intrigued as to whether other people feel the same way. So when I look back, I think I always had that mentality to question and explore and be curious about it because... You know, for me, in any conversation that you're having, you know, both parties are 10% right. So if you can take that mindset in to go, okay, I might I might not know it all, but I do know I'm at least 10% right in the way I'm thinking about this, which also means the other people in that room 
will also have 10% where they're right. And if you can create that space um, where you can have those open, honest conversations um, with, as I say, no judgment, it it means there's less stress, there's less anxiety, there's less of that backbiting behind, you know, as soon as we walk out of the room or come off the call and then immediately go, oh, what do you think they said? You know, that's not about a fair place to work for me. And if that's then then the driver that enables you, for example, to cut through the squeamishness of, oh, I think I'm about to say something here that is not in my nature, but it's got to be done for the greater good, then, then that's that purpose that then kind of oozes through. I think what you've beautifully described there, which um, I uh, sort of feel compelled to start to pass across to people that are entering into the world of work, is that language of assertiveness. And a, a bit like planning for your French GCSE, you know, if you can ask where the pub is, <laughs> if you can order a ham sandwich, if you can ask where the police station is and order a beer, you know, you can sort of get by. And I think having a couple of stock phrases that are going to work for you, that feel natural, that enable you to either cut through or hold your stand in, in that moment, I, th- I think are absolutely vital. And it's been interesting having conversations with people who are now fully hybrid, you know, so three days in an office, two days virtual, and um, asking them, you know, what's been some differences in terms of the meetings and the etiquette and the energy and the dynamics and in short, how have you found it in terms of asserting yourself and seeing other characters around you? And I think there are differences for how you handle people and how you handle yourself when you're in a virtual meeting as opposed to a real world meeting. I've had a couple of conversations this week in terms of, um, you know, people say I've never had to work so hard to get my point across because in a real world environment, you walk in a room, you shake hands, you know, you you kind of have that stature and that chemistry that you have to do all through your words alone when you're then on a 2D environment. So I think that language is just so key to get some of those phrases that work for you. I definitely think so. And I think it's also some sense of responsibility if you're, you know, if you're the, the one that's, it's your meeting and you're using, you know, whether it's on all over Zoom or whether you've got a combination of people in the room and some on Zoom, which we've we've come across. I think, you know, you take responsibility in managing the room. So you're very clear on the setup of how we're going to work this session. Um, because I think that then makes everybody feel safe. If people are aware that everybody will have their chance to speak, um, everybody will have an opportunity to listen. I think that setup and that signposting as to how we're going to work around here on this particular call just enables people to um, not talk over each other or not be the loudest in the room or not know when to shut up. Um, I think that's the responsibility of whoever's meeting it is, I think, um, rather than just hope it works. I think we have to be more clear and more assertive in our communication that there is clarity is being you know, created and people are, feel safe in that, in that moment, which I think is really important. Yeah. Um, And, uh, you know, we're always sort of on the practical here. I think some phrases that, and if you've got your own, brilliant. These are the types of things that kind of tend to cut through. If you think actually this couple of weeks ahead of you is going to require you to summon up that assertiveness and speak up quicker than maybe your nature would lend itself to, which is certainly I'm one of those types of people, which is why I find it fascinating to listen out to that worked well as a way to interject. I'm going to borrow that one. And here are some phrases that I think, um, uh, you know, if you're someone that likes to um, have some general principles to then devise your own. So things like holding your space. So you've got a point that you want to make, 
but you work with a, a, a load of rowdy people or with an individual that likes to butt in the moment you take a breath, is having that phrase which might be, you know, hang on, let me just finish for a moment or just give us a moment, I'm nearly there. So it's coming up with some kind of phrases that enables you to just kind of, instead of the hand up, it allows you to put the kind of the words in. Um, and what I've always found quite useful <clears throat> is if you explain, actually there are three things that I'm going to share here. People then know that if you pause after the first bit, there's another couple of things to then say, you know, I'm obsessed with freeze, Debs. But, yeah, I know, um, you so love threes, Law. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We've got half an hour, three times three, nine points, lovely, job done. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, the, um, but what it does then is it manages the audience expectations of, you know, she, she's just paused after that one point, but I know I'm going to listen out because there are two more. So I think, you know, there's a responsibility for us, as you said, in terms of asserting ourselves. Speaking up. So if you're someone that finds yourself losing the opportunity to speak up and say something, practicing some things that can help um, you interject with etiquette. So can I jump in for a moment? Or I think there's an interesting point you mentioned earlier on, Debs. Can I just bring us back to that? And using the team dynamics or the group dynamics to be able to jump back into a conversation. And you mentioned signposting earlier on. Signposting is the WD-40 for conversations, which is I'm about to say something. I want everyone to kind of understand why I'm saying it. And it's the framing of that question. So rather than um, can we relook at what our goals are, which might sound a bit stark, it's saying in order to say we're all aligned because we've got a few new team members here, can we review what our goals are? And it just softens it then so people are much more likely to buy into what it is that you're asserting to put to put forward. So I think, um, you know, at the end of the day, you can be as assertive as you want inside your head. The definition of assertiveness, well, it's in the eye of the beholder, really, isn't it? It's the people you work with who will be deciding whether or not you're an assertive character or not. And so how you express yourself, and rather than being worried about a meeting that's ahead, positive rehearsal with some of those phrases that you think are going to work work well. It's like that verbal PPE, isn't it? It's the, it is. um, <laughs> the hard hat, the steel-toed <laughs> shoes, but um, they're just painted in a nice, vibrant way so it doesn't feel like you're kicking people. Yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, you're at that table for a reason. So, you know, if you believe that you have a valid point to raise, you have something to say, you you may consider that you have the knowledge that brings in the room, I think, you know, bring it in the room, have the confidence to know your worth. Um, and the fact that you matter, which I think is one of the most underrated skills that some people have at the moment is, I'm not sure if I really matter. And actually, you really do matter. And as is knowing your, your worth and your value and, and the reason you're there is because you're good at what you do, then why would you not speak up and let your voice be heard? Why not? Yeah. And Debs, in light of that, I remember reading this phrase once and it just really worked for me. If you're not around the table, you're on the menu. <laughs> <laughs> yes, there exactly. may be some meetings that you think, actually, I'm going to put my hand up and say, can I be part of that one, actually? Because I think there's a contribution I could make. And um, it might not have been this time last year is relevant, but now it might be more relevant than ever in terms of being able to get stuff done and to be able to, um, you know, push and progress things forward. 2020 was the surprise year. 2021 has been the very busy year. And this transition between this season is then how do we then take all of this mess into progress? And that is going to require quite a bit of assertiveness skills from the right people, not just the same people who have always yes. found it very easy to speak up. 
Yes, definitely. And I think that's my, that would be, if you like, my call to action is to, to one, recognise your worth, but two, know that you do have a contribution to make. Um, and if you're the person, if you like managing the team or leading the team in a meeting, make sure you notice that other people are in the room and it's not just two or three with the loudest voice. And I think it's um, it's that person's responsibility to start with to create that space where contributions are really welcome and encouraged. Um, and I think that takes a level of assertiveness to be able to put your position in the room, as I call it, so that you can manage the room and the expectations around it. Fantastic. And my share of the secret would be, think of someone in your professional network who, um, for whatever reason, plays it a bit quiet and you think they've got so much value that they can add. Get them to listen to this. Summon up that assertiveness. And from a, um, a kind of a bigger picture perspective, the talent that is there in the pipeline, in the wings, waiting to enter into our workplace over the next five to 10 years. Children can only be what they see. Being able to see adults calmly and kindly, assertively making their point for the greater good can only be useful, not only for our employment success right now, but also for the future um, world of work as well. So people can only be what they see. So start being that change. And it's amazing how sometimes those little language changes can create a whole different environment um, from our meetings. And it can start tomorrow. <laughs> it yes. can start today, whenever you're <laughs> listening to this. Yeah, definitely. I love that. I think that just is that mic drop moment, isn't it? That goes boom, away you go, everyone. Start Absolutely. thinking about assertiveness. So yeah, thanks, Law. Oh, too right. If not for you, it's for the children, Dev. So uh, there you go. That They can then help us take that deep breath and lean right in. So um, exciting because November is going to be all about... <gasps> drum roll, please. Oh, Dev, you're going to have such fun with this. So November, we've decided, is going to be all about stress and yes. hybrid working. Yes, I cannot wait. It's such a hot topic and it's one that will keep going. So yeah, really looking forward to the whole of November. Lots of things to consider. Wonderful. From the mind-body link to the role that those little comforters have in hybrid working. So put down that pack of biscuits, <laughs> put the cork back in the wine. Let's have a think about from November onwards then what stress and hybrid working means. And uh, Debs, have a fantastic week. Enjoy Halloween. I know you go mad for stuff like this. So um, can't wait to see the photos. <laughs> <laughs> oh, looking forward to it, Law. You have a good one too. Love you lots. Yeah. Love you. Bye. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. We'd love to hear from you. Drop us an email on secretsfromacoach at aol.com or follow us on Insta at secretsfromacoach.com.